This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We've got a great program for you today. We are Canada's number one mobile and app-related radio program. Uh, we'll be chatting about uh, iOS tips you probably haven't uh, tried before. So these are uh, tips for iPhone users. Uh, some pretty cool ones, including uh, things like Visual Lookup, a feature that allows you to use your camera to identify pets, plants, and landmarks. Kind of like Google Lens, right? Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. We'll, we'll tell you all about it. We'll also be chatting with our, our good friend Ted Crozonos out of Toronto about uh, the Huawei and ZTE 5G ban. What does it mean for Canada to the telecoms? And uh, more importantly, John, to me, well, I have to pay more money because the telecoms are going to have to spend billions ripping this stuff out and buying new gear. They wouldn't pass that cost on to me, would they, John? Never. Never. We'll get some more details on that. We'll also be chatting uh, about Google and Facebook. I mean, their business is essentially ads advertising they make billions and billions of dollars uh some u.s senators are talking about breaking them up because they feel that uh they've become anti-competitive just like the old ma bell telecoms yeah look where that went they broke them up then they got all put back together again (laughs) but let's look at some of the uh the mobile and app news uh, out there uh john uh take two uh a big Gaming company, they own franchises like Grand Theft Auto, Bioshock, and Civilization. I love playing that game. I'm sure you do. I don't, well, when I was younger, I don't have time anymore. Uh, they are buying the game developer called Zynga. Uh, you might know Zynga from hits like Farmville. Uh, they have done very well with the free-to-play mobile game space. Take-Two has done very well with the computer console space games. So uh, the idea behind this, it's a $12.7 billion deal. Like, that's huge, eh? It's, I think, one of the biggest gaming deals ever. It's crazy. Uh, they they want to get more into the social gaming, obviously, because there is some huge money to be made there. I mean, just I want to talk some of the numbers here. You know, Activision, uh, one of their big titles, Call of Duty Mobile, launched in 2019, October 2019, and it's just surpassed $1.5 billion in revenue. It's just mind-blowing It's like, yeah, I don't even know how you play that on a phone, that game. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And it's $1.5 billion. Uh, There's other games out there. I I don't know this one. Uh, Crafton's, what is that, PUBG Mobile? PUBG Mobile, yeah. Yeah, $7 billion in lifetime revenue. Yeah, which PUBG is a pretty big game. It was kind of like came out around the same time like Fortnite and those types of games is it a first person shooter basically yeah 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 i still have a hard time playing those games on a little screen i guess a lot of people don't (laughs) apparently not no No. well and a lot of people you can use like you can pair an xbox controller and stuff like that to a lot of these the controller's bigger than the phone well yeah but it's cheaper than having a whole console it's true it's true uh let's look at some of the other uh mobile news uh out there john um Apple, apparently, rumored to be previewing mixed reality headsets to their uh, their board. Yeah, well, take this with a grain of salt. Yes. But this is pretty exciting news because we were under the impression that the this headset was not going to be shown or, or even mentioned well into next year, if not 2024. 
And now the rumor is, according to Bloomberg, um, Apple has apparently previewed it to the company's board last week. So mixed reality. So that's that's kind of a combination of virtual reality and, and augmented reality. Yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of you're, you're looking at the real world yeah. with stuff overlaid over top of it. So it's really technically augmented reality. Yeah. But they wanted to call this that whole sort of genre mixed reality. Easier to say. Yeah, because depending on what you're doing, you could see nothing of the real world or all the real world with a little bit of elements over top of it. Um, what's also interesting in this uh, sort of preview is that this he- headset might actually be self-contained and not require a tethering link to your phone. Really? Yeah, because there was some talk about maybe a little backpack or a little thing on your belt or some kind of crazy thing that actually does all the horsepower. Yeah. But it sounds like they've got it to the point now where it's all self-contained. Not unlike your Oculus or yeah. your, your Meta Quest 2. Yeah, I I like that. I, so I bought that that virtual reality headset from Facebook. It used to be called the Oculus. Now it's called Meta. Uh, but it's it's pretty amazing, John. Like they've come so far with virtual reality games and, and videos now. Like they're quite good. Well, and I, I think the, the mixed reality or the augmented reality headset option is probably a more uh, mainstream approach to this. Yeah. Because you're not, you're not, uh, isolating people that are say claustrophobic or uh, maybe have some vision issues or something like that, you're still able to see the outside world. And the question with all of these things is always what's the killer app or game to make me want to actually buy this thing. Is yeah. it, is it going to be low cost and subsidized by games and apps that I have to purchase? Or is it going to be like a console, which could have a, you know, a, like a higher cost and then you still pay a certain amount for the games or like where's this all going to fit because we've talked about subscription fatigue we've talked about all these other things this has to be a pretty compelling piece of hardware for someone to to buy it unless they're a hardcore gamer or whatever apple's objectives are with this particular device yeah i wonder if it'll i mean obviously gaming is always forefront of these types of things yeah but like what is the killer app for it yeah why would people want to get this well, I mean, why did you get your quest? I, I well, I don't know actually. <laughs> I just <laughs> thought it looked cool, and you know, I heard good things. Like, because I tried out the HTC Vive back a few years ago, and it was it was not a great experience. Like, I mean, it was cool, but you had these giant, you know, a giant headset that you had to wear. It was tethered like a giant umbilical cord off the back of your head into a, a computer. Which had to be pretty beefy. Yes. And then you had to put uh, cameras all around your room. Yeah. To create your virtual room. Right. I mean, the, the thing with the, the Oculus headsets now, um, you can just, you draw them. You put the headset on, and with one of the little hand controllers that comes with it, yeah. you just kind of draw the boundary on your floor so you don't go outside that and kill yourself. I'm surprised you haven't taken yours. Well, I guess you just got it. So, but you can take it on a flight. You could, but you'd be look kind of weird. Who, who cares? Yeah, but then you got this giant thing over your face. So you can't see who's looking at you. Weird. Right <laughs> uh, also in the news, TikTok once again. Uh, they're looking at uh, launching Twitch-like subscriptions uh, this week. It's interesting because. For the longest time, everybody was basically trying to come up with something that was TikTok-like. And yeah. now TikTok is trying to come up with a way to help pay creators 
who basically feed their algorithm yeah. and their and their platform uh, better by allowing you as the consumer of said content to actually have a subscription to your favorite creators. And that subscription fee gets divided between TikTok and the creator. Of course. Yeah. They take it they take their their piece of the action. And then those creators are more incentivized to continue to create the content that you consume. Which is a it, this is basically Twitch's business model. Yeah. And Twitch is primarily a gaming streaming system where you can watch people play games. I still don't understand that. Yeah. Do you do, watch it? I do. Really? Yeah. What games do you watch? Uh, there's a couple of people I watch that play Animal Crossing, for example. You watch people playing Animal Crossing. Yeah, you learn but, a lot, actually. Okay, John, I haven't played it myself. I've, I've, I've seen it. It's not like a high impact game. You know what I mean? Like, there's not a lot going on. Aren't you just like making little gardens and little houses for your your animals? You're you're customizing your own little tropical island. Yeah, that's not very fast paced. No, that's no, the whole point I, of the game. And so you're watching people. Yeah. In slow motion. <laughs> well, real time. Yeah. And that's, you do this on the weekend? Well, I do this while I'm at work. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that's why your productivity goes down after lunch, right? That's yeah. why I have two screens. Yeah, so now, now I understand. Okay, we are going to have to take a break. You are tuned into the app show. Uh, in a little bit here, we'll be talking about some iPhone tips you probably haven't tried, including something called Visual Lookup that uh, lets the iPhone identify things like pets, plants, and landmarks, and a people detector, and including door detection coming as well for people with uh, uh, that are visually impaired. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. It's amazing, actually. I, I don't even know how this all works. I mean, obviously, with the uh, the LiDAR and built in to the cameras and, and a little bit of magic Yes. I think. And uh, what else we got coming up here, John? We've uh, got uh, the Huawei and ZTE 5G ban. We'll talk with our good friend Ted Kritsonas about that and what that means to your wallet. And should Google and Facebook be broken up so that they don't have monopolies on their respective ad businesses? Well, we'll tell you all about it. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Still coming up, we'll be talking about 5G the 5G dream, and how this might affect your pocketbook when it comes to getting the higher speed network, especially now in light of the big Huawei and ZTE 5G ban here in Canada. Uh, Let's talk about uh, iPhone tips, John. These are some cool little things you've come across uh, that I think most people don't know about. Yeah, Robin and I are working on a little video that can really demonstrate all this stuff, but we thought it'd be interesting to talk about the some of the things that honestly, I've even forgotten about since iOS 15 was launched and some things that Apple has sort of uh, released that's coming uh, presumably in iOS 16, but I think there's some pretty interesting stuff sort of across the board here. So let's start with visual lookup. This was something that was touted with iOS 15 last summer and um, I'm still shocked how well this works. Yeah. So you take a photo uh, or go back into your library and find a photo. And the really cool thing with with that whole aspect is you can literally just go to the search in your photo, uh, photo album, and you can just start typing, say, dog, pet, flower, anything like that. And it'll bring up, uh, using AI, it'll try to identify any of your photos that have a dog in it, a pet in it, you name it. But it's specifically good at pets, plants, and landmarks. And 
this came about because plants are something that a lot of people, especially now that spring's finally showing up, or uh, outside in the garden, you see like, oh, what what is that? Is that a weed or is that a plant or a flower? If it's in my garden, it's a weed. Yeah. So <laughs> I know that much. The cool thing is you can take a picture of that thing, and how you know that it's uh, that apples artificial intelligence has detected something is if you look at the bottom of a photo, there's a little eye uh, on the bottom corner of it. And it's an eye with a circle in it, like a lowercase eye. If there's like a little star, let's call it a sparkle. Yeah. That means it's detected something in the photo that it recognizes. So you press on that and then it says there'll be a lookup and then and I'm just call, calling up a photo of my cat and it says oh look up a cat and it'll actually tell you what the breed is it tries yeah it tries yeah it's not 100% no it's hard sometimes i think when it's like a mixed breed like my dog one of my dogs rosie yeah it thinks it's a pomeranian right maybe it's half pomeranian i don't know we don't yeah. know what it is yeah but so, then like i did a picture of my son's dog and it came up pomeranian <laughs> as well even though i look Pretty different, but yeah, it, it seems to do really well with plants, though, because they're, they're less uh, less interpretation. I think there, yeah. And I I was stunned in my backyard how well it picked up some of the plants that I have. I don't even know what these plants are. They've been growing there since I lived there. Yeah. So it's just really cool that your phone can do all this for you for free. No app needed. This is all just built into the. The, to the device it's part of the siri knowledge so you actually will get a res- list of results you can actually click on those and then it'll take you to like wikipedia to get more information about that particular thing which is really kind of cool too well, and what's interesting i just did a picture of my chihuahua and it got it yeah yeah at, f- at first it thought it was a golden retriever yeah which it's lo- that's kind of off yeah well, it, it, it depends on the angle of the photo. It depends on the lighting. There's lots of there's lots going on for it to figure this out in the first place, which, yeah. which is impressive. And even landmarks. So I went through and I just typed in like landmarks in my search criteria for my photos, and it filtered and found the pictures of the Eiffel Tower that I had, of the Vimy Memorial that I was at with you, and other places like that. It was able to identify them and give you more information about that particular landmark just from a photo that I already had in my library. Pretty amazing. Okay, another feature coming, Magnify. Well, it's here now. Yes. And it has something called People Detector. Yes. So, which is really kind of useful if you have a visual impairment. You just run the Magnify app on your iPhone, and it you basically point it out at the world, and it'll tell you if there's a person in front of you, and it'll tell you how far away they are, Yeah. and even give you an indication of like three feet, four feet, one foot, Yeah. or meters, I think, depending on your settings on your phone and apparently in the next version of ios which is be 16 probably announced uh next week at the or in two weeks i guess at the uh, worldwide developer conference uh on january 6th will be door detection and this is going to be very helpful this is amazing for the visually impaired yeah to be able to detect a door whether it's open or closed yep and where the door is right like if you're going down a street trying to find a business yeah, I, I would imagine if you can't see, it's. It, you, I mean, there's great tools now with GPS and everything. That okay, here I'm. I'm at McDonald's, but where's the door? Right. Yeah. And so this door detection, um, and I've seen demos. It'll even recognize the text on the doors. Yeah. As well, like yeah. business hours and yeah, it's exit or entrance that kind of stuff. It's pr- it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about uh, Face ID haptic response. So whenever you have. Uh, 
a successful face ID recognition, it will actually vibrate your phone with the haptic feedback. So you can actually know that you've actually successfully unlocked your phone without actually having to look at it. Yeah. And this also is the same same kind of feeling that you get when you use your phone to pay for something as well. Like you actually know that you successfully did a transaction with your visa or whatever. Yeah. So that's a, that's a handy new feature. Uh, and finally, the microphone modes. Yeah, I think we touched on this last week and I've actually been playing with it quite a bit and it's really cool. The only way to activate this and see this functionality is to be on a call though. Okay. And so you go in, you're on a call, you pull down from the top right corner and you'll see mic modes and by default, it's just standard, but you can actually make it have voice isolation mode, which is much better. So So if you're in like a loud bar or something. It'll sound like you're in a, in a yeah. completely quiet room. Yeah. Yeah. Or you can go the wide spectrum mode, which sounds like you're literally in a loud bar. Yes. <laughs> Even if you're not. Depending if you want to be popular or right. you want your partner to think you're at the library, <laughs> so to speak. But that's only available if you're in a call and you got to pull down from the, the yeah. right-hand corner of the screen. And it does work in Zoom. It works in FaceTime and regular audio calls. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. We still have uh, a lot more to talk about on today's uh, program. We'll be chatting about... The 5G ban for Huawei and ZTE here in Canada. What does that mean when it comes to dollars? It's it's in the billions. And how will that affect our wallet, John? It it will. It will. Well, we'll be talking with Ted Kritsonis all about that. And Google and Facebook. It looks like some senators in the U.S. are pushing to break them up as far as their advertising is concerned. We'll get you uh, more information on that as well. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We're going to talk about 5G now. John, we talk a lot about 5G. We sure do. Uh, 5G is the next generation of uh, wireless networks that the telecoms are rolling out. It seems now that uh, the Canadian government has banned equipment from uh, two Chinese companies, Huawei and ZTE. Uh, not only banning any new purchases, but also telling the telecoms here in Canada that they need to rip out uh, their 5G equipment that they have purchased by 2024, so just a couple of years away, and uh, the older 4G LTE equipment by 2028. Not a, an easy task. Or an inexpensive task. No. On the line, we've got a good friend, Ted Kritsonos, out of Toronto, one of our Get Connected contributors. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Thanks for having me, guys. Was this a surprise to you, Ted? No. (laughs) No, No, not at all. I mean, this was, I think this was a formality. We already saw TELUS and Bell, even going back to 2020, they started working with Ericsson to deploy and develop their 5G network. And then Rogers followed up and did the same on their own, of course, because we know that Bell and TELUS did it together with Ericsson, uh, whereas Rogers did it on their own. But Ericsson ended up being a partner, and Nokia was in there too. But they they ended up working with different partners to develop the um, to develop the network, and uh, those are agreements that are going to be going forward as well. So it wasn't like it was going to be a situation where Huawei can kind of step in and then take over. So I think the plan from the start, at least from the big three, especially, was that they were they were going to ultimately supplant and replace. Uh, Huawei's equipment, um, but at least with the with the 5G network, they were just going to use uh, what Ericsson and Nokia had. It's interesting because I've talked to some insiders in some of the, the telecoms here in Canada, and they weren't happy about it, obviously, because they've spent, in some cases, billions of dollars. And, you know, they, they flat out told me that Huawei's 
technology was better and at a much yeah. better price as well. Yes. Yeah, that's kind of the rub is that the 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 carriers were basically doing this because they felt that it was really the only option, I think, that they had. Um, I, I, I think you're right, because privately, I think the sentiment is different because they felt like, OK, we're paying less for better tech. And of course, any business is going to love that. Yeah. But because of the political situation being what it is uh, and what it was, certainly with Huawei and, and China, the whole mess, um, you know, that was going on there, I, I felt like it, it was heading in this direction. And uh, and so the announcement uh, to me was a formality, ultimately, because the facts on the ground were, had already established that Huawei's competitors were going to be uh, were going to be taking over. And. We also can't forget, I mean, we're talking about the political uh, element to this, is that the Five Eyes countries, so the UK, US, New Zealand, and Australia, had also moved to uh, ban Huawei from their own respective 5G networks. So Canada, I think, just kind of moved in lockstep uh, with its with its partners that way. I guess it was uh, always a, a foregone conclusion that they would really... Yeah, it's just interesting. It took them so many so so long to come to that ultimate conclusion, and uh, leaving the carriers and and the consumers sort of hanging for for months, if not years. I'm I'm just interested to see what this does to the consumer. I mean, some of these telecoms, like I said, have spent billions of dollars installing Huawei equipment, and now it's not cheap to rip that all out and then have to buy new equipment. Yeah. It's not like, uh, you know, Ericsson's giving them a two-for-one deal or, or, or anything uh, like that. Ted, uh, how do, do you think this is going to be passed on to consumers, the cost? Oh, isn't it always in this country? <laughs> uh, I mean, of course, absolutely. There's, we're not going to get any benevolence from from the big carriers. Of course not. I mean, I mean they're absolutely going to transfer the cost over to the consumer. But I, to me, the the, the pressure is both on the carriers, the big three, and on companies like Ericsson, because now they have to they have to show that they can they can create tech that is on par or better than Huawei. I mean, right now we've kind of been spoiled. I mean, we've got despite the fact that we have our issues naturally uh, with the the big three carriers, the quality of the connection, especially in urban cities like urban areas, is very good. Uh, rural customers have a lot to complain about, and deservedly so. But for those who are living in urban centers, the quality of the, you know, of, of the networks are pretty good. So you got to maintain that. And if you're going to be promoting 5G as a next generation product, well, then it has to feel like it's next generation. And I think that's where the pressure comes in for the big three plus Ericsson and Nokia, where they're going to have to deliver that kind of experience to make to to at least justify the extra cost have, that might be coming down the have, have we felt that's just the way I look at it. no but you made an interesting comment there like yeah it's the next generation and it needs to feel like it's the next generation have we guys have we felt yet that 5g is the next generation like has it made any material impact on using your mobile devices like your smartphone no no no, no. I, I don't know how you guys feel i mean in my opinion no i think it's too soon i think on the one hand 5g i, I think on an infrastructure level there might be a difference, but you, us as users are not going to feel that. So for example, it, it, there may be less latency if we're talking about a volume of users, right? But if we're talking about an individual user noticing a big difference, they're probably not 
Uh, now, it might be different if we start streaming content in 4K or whatever resolutions, and it's just like, it's you know, it's just rendering like in no time. Um, okay, great. I mean, people may notice that in time, but it, it's not, we're not quite there yet. So I, I, feel, I feel like if there is going to be a material difference, it's going to be the next few years. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple things that, that I've noticed, and, and we've talked about this since the first 5G tower came up in Vancouver is that unless you're standing underneath that tower um, and have the right yeah. equipment and the latest phone, um, you're really not going to see a difference. And if anything, the LTE network that we have in Canada is pretty stellar still. Yeah. And I find, especially yeah. out in the suburbs where you don't have as well, many... Well, hopefully, hopefully it wasn't Huawei. Because <laughs> you're going to rip that all out. Well, there's that. But but yeah, the, the at the end of the day, most people don't even care or notice a difference. No. whether they're on 5g or lte unless they're trying to download a big file or stream like you said mike like it's it's um it, it's it's one of those things that was really hyped but has yet to really like make a difference at least from a consumer mobile phone standpoint it's kind of like going from 4k tvs to 8k tvs yeah you know what i mean like yeah, in a sense, I'll, I would say I think people would notice a bigger difference when it comes to certain use use cases. So, for example, if someone is somewhere and they're they're broadcasting live, so they're on a social media app and they're broadcasting something live, that's where I see five G making a difference, right? Because that upload speed is going to be higher. Uh, you know, you can you can upload and and not you can broadcast footage, video footage at a higher resolution. Um, 5G does promise that, and I can see a difference happening there. However, as John pointed out, you'd have to be able to do that from almost anywhere. Yeah. And one thing about 5G towers is that they don't propagate as far well, as 4G want to do. And we're not even using the so, C-band for the most part in Canada either, so we're not even getting yeah. the good 5G. <laughs> we're yeah, getting the crappy yeah, that, 5Gs. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I say the next few years, because the there, there's still quite a bit to, you know, I mean, we can call it like laying down pipes, so to speak, but yeah. it's it basically, you know, you, there's still quite a bit of that infrastructure that needs to be laid down so that propagation is not as much of an issue, especially in urban areas, um, you know, more densely packed and populated urban areas where people are going to feel um, that difference. But we're not there yet. We're, we're still, you know, even in the U.S., like, I mean, I've used 5G in the U.S., and I, I can't say it's a dramatic difference, uh, it, you know, to me anyway. Uh, some people might disagree, but I, uh, to me, I haven't felt it yet. And I think it's partly because we're, we're still kind of in the nascent stages uh, of what 5G could be. So we'll see. Let's just quickly talk about the overall brands then with Huawei and, and ZTE. I don't think ZTE is, ZTE is a, as big a brand name here in, in Canada, but they make smartphones and tablets and things like that. Huawei, the bigger name. How do you, how do you feel that's going to come down on you know, their, um, their consumer lines? you know, the smartphones, laptops, wearables? Well, the for Huawei, I don't think it's going to change the consumer side dramatically. I mean, I think what would make a bigger impact for Huawei on the consumer side would be any kind of change in the U.S.'s position um, on, you know, banning Google and, you know, like the like that, that you know, being on the entity list, uh, I think is, you know, that that's where that's where Huawei is ultimately really affected. I, I this side of the of the Huawei, of Huawei's business, I felt, was always kind of separate from the from the consumer side. So I don't see a big. I, I think if anything, it might be the perception maybe of the company. You know, the the brand sort of recognition and perception. Maybe there could be an effect there. You could argue, 
uh, ZTE was less well known, and ZTE, I, I, I always felt, you know, they they competed more on a, on a more affordable and, and budget conscious, uh, you know, level. Um, so people wanted, you know, to spend less to get certain tech. ZTE was there for that. Uh, whereas Huawei, they're they're pushing to compete at a higher level, and and so, but I still think that the products will still be available. So, I mean, they, you know, they're going to be building more retail stores in Canada. So they're clearly not giving up on the country. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see if uh, people buy them up. We've been talking with Ted Crizona, sir. Get Connected contributor out of Toronto. Thanks for joining us, Ted. Always a pleasure, you guys. Thank you. When we come back from the break, U.S. senators trying to break up uh, Google and uh, Facebook's ad business. Will they succeed? Stay tuned. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Advertising that uh, is mostly run through the internet now. Google, Facebook, breaking in billions of dollars, John. Multi- like tens of billions. Yes. Uh, they've uh, basically taken huge chunks out of the overall advertising business from the old standards like TV, radio, and uh, print some cases devastated some <laughs> industries. Well, now a group of uh, Senate Republicans and Democrats, they got together on something, uh, introduced a new bill that could force Google and Facebook's parent company, Meta, to spin off their online ad businesses. And this was reported in the Wall Street Journal. So it's called the Competition and Transparency in Digital Advertising Act. And um, Although it does have Ted Cruz as one of the <laughs> the people behind it, I, I do applaud uh, Democrats and Republicans getting together on this. It would uh, ban companies processing more than twenty billion dollars a year in digital ad transactions uh, from running more than one portion of the digital advertising ecosystem. So when you look at big companies uh, like Google, they have all sorts of different types of advertising you can buy from them. Yes, and all across all their pr- properties and platforms. So not just Google, but it's YouTube. Uh, they've got search ads, they have display ads, they've got video ads. I mean, you name it, they got it. And even the video ads are chopped up a, a bunch of different ways as well. So essentially, uh, Google, they actually represent, uh, in, in a lot of cases, both the suppliers and the purchasers. So it's it, it's actually like an auction system. So that's something that our company does too. Like we work with our clients to help them buy Google advertising, like search words and stuff. But you have to bid on the words. Like if uh, you were uh, representing a bike company, good luck getting the word bike at a cheap price. Right. Because everybody wants it. Yes. So that drives the price of that word up. Yeah. And so you can pay a lot of money for it. So you have to be clever and try to get specific as well. Like maybe you just make red bikes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't, uh, you, in a lot of cases, are wasting money because you're just doing like a general... You're, ca- kind of you're, you're, cap- you're capturing the wrong audience. Yeah. So what they're saying here is that, you know, companies like Google, they're kind of representing the sellers and the buyers on the price. Which is a little weird because you can't do that with real estate. No, no, <laughs> no, you can't. <laughs> uh, but it's it's an interesting world. So this bill also says um, it, it, you know, it would try to manage smaller companies as well that are doing, you know, over $5 billion in Smaller companies, right? Five billion. <laughs> I'd like to have a smaller company doing five billion. Yeah, but me too. Like, what do you think, John? Is there too much power in these guys' hands? 
It does seem like that, yeah. right? Especially because this stuff is so prevalent and every website, every news organization, every place that you go to get your content is using some kind of advertising on that uh, platform. And that's also how a lot of these businesses make money to continue to do those things. So if the system needs to exist. I'm just not sure if Google and Facebook have gotten too big in that sense and have too much power. I mean, the senators clearly think that's the case. I think it's a little weird to think how that breakup would happen, though. I don't know how it would, John. Like, would they sell off part of that business or a, a line, a certain industry or <laughs> certain keywords yeah. to somebody else and they wouldn't, wouldn't be able to touch those ones? Like, this isn't like a, a physical telecommunications company that can be broken up and like, well, you get this state and I get that state. Like, it's the internet. It's, there's, it's way more complicated and global. And the fact that these companies are global organizations, it's interesting that the government the U.S. government thinks they can control them, even though in this, in this particular case, Google and Facebook are both U.S.-based companies. Yeah, I always kind of wonder that with the U.S. Like, they're kind of almost hurting their own country sometimes by going after. Remember, they always. tried. Yes, yeah, that's true. I mean, do you remember back in the '90s they tried to break up Microsoft? Yeah. I mean, that was a success story. Right. But you know, I guess the threat of getting broken up kind of woke Microsoft up a bit to being a little friendlier, not to be so anti-competitive. Yeah. It, it, it's, well, it's interesting because... But mean, things change, right? Like, look at these new players like TikTok. Yeah. You know? But the U.S. government wanted Microsoft to buy TikTok. Yes. Which was weird. Bing talk. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to take another break. You are tuned into the app show. When we come back, a little more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You're back with the app show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, Get Connected. It's on every Saturday across the Chorus Radio Network. And uh, it's, it's a great show. We uh, also have it uh, available on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Uh, a little bit of time left. I'm just dragging Robin, uh, one of our contributors, uh, on. What's your favorite app right now? <laughs> right now, I've been going through a real uh, little AR phase. Yeah, augmented reality. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was doing a lot of little modeling apps and stuff. But one that I didn't know existed that I, I've actually haven't having a lot of fun with is Angry Birds AR. I love Angry Birds. Yeah, yeah, and I love it. the The virtual reality version for the Oculus is amazing. I didn't even know that existed before yeah. you told me. Oh, yeah. it's just I love it. Yeah, it's so, so simple. Right. Yeah, I, th I think from what I've seen, the AR and the VR version seem to be pretty similar. Yeah. Um, it's free to download. Obviously, there's like in-app purchases and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it changes the way you play Angry Birds totally. Yeah. Cause Instead of 2D side view. Yeah. It's like a first person almost. You got like the slingshot in front of you. You can move around these towers yeah. that you can see all the little pigs on. Because it's using the camera in your phone. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And basically projecting it onto your real world environment. Very cool. Angry Birds... AR. Check it out. Uh, I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together, including you, Robin, thank and you. Uh, John. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.